1: a really pretty cool weekend here in Memphis. There was a lot going on. Uh, in studio with me right now is uh, Randy Wright with the Dive Shop, who also has a catering company. And every year for, what, 26 years? This is our
2: 26th show. Yeah. 28 years we've been with them. Of course, two years the show didn't happen. But 26th show down there. It was fantastic.
1: And it's uh, this is the first year that they've had it at Tom Lee Park since it, the Tom Lee Park has been remodeled. And so that was a big deal. Everybody was wondering, how, is it going to work? Can you get in? Can you get out? Uh, are the people going to like it? And uh, from the pictures I've seen and from the news coverage I saw, it looked like it wasn't too crowded, although I talked to some people and said it, trying to go from one park to the next, uh, the walkways would get really crowded, yeah. trying to get to the next yeah, venue.
2: The, the walkways are smaller, uh, and and you can't walk through the park like you used to. So it used to be that just big wide open field. So now you have to kind of follow this security's path from stage to stage. So it's a little bit more difficult to move from stage to stage in terms of the, of the front of house, the people that are out there to see the show. Um, backstage, we did have, um, you know, a little bit of a transportation issue because we occasionally had to cross through the front of house traffic. Uh, but it was well managed. And I was, uh, you know, all of my fears were were allayed once we got down there and, and actually got to working yeah it was a little more trouble but it really wasn't any more trouble than what we had over at the stadium the the people that come to memphis because they tour all over the world so when they come here
1: uh this is one place they always love coming to memphis in may and the bill street music festival because the, the venue is so unique right there on the river yeah. What was their impression? What
2: kind of. Oh, they they had the best view of the house. I mean, because they're up on stage and they had great views of the river. Um, We did quite a bit of um, uh, loadout food. So sometimes the artist will buy food directly from us uh, as they're leaving. You know, we do three meals a day there on the park for all the production and the artist people that are there. Uh, But we also did. Uh, Each night had something going out with somebody, Uh, and we got rave reviews. Uh, They love the food in Memphis, that's for sure. (laughs) Uh, Well, as we we
1: all know, you travel to other parts of the country. It ain't like Memphis. And uh, the restaurants are uh, just what people cook. is not the same thing, and and whether you're at the Orpheum or at the Music Fest. But one thing I continually hear is how much they enjoy coming to Memphis and love the food.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I we didn't have too much in the way of security. Well, I thought security was handled really, really well down there. Um, you know, we didn't see any incidents. I didn't hear radio chatter on any incidents. I didn't either. In fact, um, Todd Starnes was
1: down there Friday night. And he said there was a huge uh, police presence. So mm-hmm. I think that sends a clear message that we're not putting up with anything.
2: Well, and they they never have. I mean, no. the bottom line is there's been a couple of instances. I know one of the things that happened with one of the artists had a large entourage in cars at the gate at some point, and of course they they wouldn't let them in because there's no place to left park. to park yeah. down there. I mean, even the what we used to have backstage, you know, you could have a couple of artists that would arrive in cars and that kind of stuff. But every had to everybody had to be driven in and driven out. Um, and there was no parking, even for the people that were working there. I mean, there all of that was done remotely. Uh, which are, and you deal with musicians. You are a musician. Yeah.
1: And uh, basically, they're all rebels. So that's because of what they do. Uh, but when you come down there and you got a bunch of your entourage, as you said, uh, wanting to get in the park, their first inclination is to buck the system. And yes. say, hey, we're with there the is star. A,
2: that, thats kind of what happened, it, but I mean, it was—it it became obvious very quickly that it wasn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. We can't do it. Yeah. And two years ago, or 2019, there was space in the park for that sort of thing to happen. Um, and you know, most of the time it was accommodated to the best of the ability of the stage and, and how much space they had. But this year, once they got those trucks in there with all that equipment, um, and they got the musicians in and the dressing rooms, I mean, that was it. There was no space. It was gone. I remember when, um, uh, Diane Hampton was
1: head of, uh, the operations of the park for many years uh, during Memphis and May. And I asked her one time, I said, you know, all the different requests you get from artists when they come in, was there, any, like, anybody that had anything really specific, like, you know, nothing but green uh and <laughs> ms and stuff like that? She goes, no. She she well, wait a minute, man." She said, Aretha Franklin had an interesting request. Not that it was really weird, but because she was from Memphis, she knew the food right. here, and all she right. said, I asked her, would you like anything special? And she said, no, no, that's okay. Wait a minute. Possibly a... A large pizza from Coletas, <laughs> <laughs> barbecue pizza, and a large gallon jug of their lemonade. I think that would be perfect.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> so well, we got. We I, I had a vegan keto for the first time. Oh wow! Uh, and that was a real experience. I mean, it's, and it was a headliner. I mean, it was somebody that we we needed to make sure they had what they wanted, and and that particular situation. Uh, I had to do a lot of research to figure it out, but vegetables and nuts. That's it. Know? Yeah, avocado and uh, did some uh, some zucchini noodles and yellow squash noodles and then the selection of nuts and a couple <laughs> and other things. The, look were- how far
1: things have come. I remember when the Rolling Stones first started coming to Memphis uh, 50 years ago. And, you know, that was the years of rock and roll drugs and, and booze and. Everything else, and as the years went by, because they would always have parties at the Rendezvous. In fact, I remember one year Mason yeah. Granger and um, Jim and were out there banging. I've actually seen the film video of it. They're banging on the door of the front door of the Rendezvous, which they had closed down the whole Rendezvous. And Nick Burgess, God bless him, comes to the door and says, "Hey Mason, listen, it's a private party. Can't let you in." And Mason goes, "I know they're in there, <laughs> <laughs> like Elliot Ness." He goes. All right, look, it's a private party, man. If it was your private party, would you want to let the media in to come cover you? Cause, but where are the media? Me. It's a private party, basically. <laughs> so he was sort of like the guy that says security at the, at the Music Fest with the entourage. He said, it ain't going to happen.
2: Yeah, it's you guys can go park up the hill and come on down, yeah. and you're welcome. There's just no place for your car.
1: And if Mick and the boys stumble out of here and you're out here waiting for them, you get some video, fine. But I'm not letting you in here because yeah. this is my... And then it turns out uh it's the years rolled by Nick would tell me, he said, Yeah, used to they wanted, you know, champagne, tequila, the best of everything. He said, Now Mick and the boys are all vegetarians and they they drink water and um, <laughs> it's their kids that yes. want the crystal
2: and the tequila
1: yes. and uh, yeah. another rack of ribs. So
2: Yeah. Well, I mean it's we don't see nearly as much on the on the liquor riders and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of beer and there's those types of things, and we don't actually handle that. That's handled by hospitality, which is the the volunteer group sure. that are down there. Um, so we're not really engaged in that. But I, I don't see nearly as much as I did 26 years ago. That's for sure.
1: Thank God. Yeah.
2: you were. I remember what it was like 26 years ago,
1: and everybody was polluted. I mean, it was sure. the, the, the 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 entertainers were the people in the audience. I really do think that the people have become more responsible. Not, obviously, not everybody. There's still some people out there. But sure. did you see much a better behaved crowd than in past years?
2: Uh, yeah, I thought the crowd was, you know, we have seen some years where the crowds got kind of rowdy and that kind of stuff. And, of course, we were on the stage that had the calmer music most of the time. Um, so I didn't see what was happening at center, which was the younger music, uh, and then – you know, up at North, it had a variety of acts up there, but I really didn't see anything that was didn't see anybody out of control. I'm sure there was some of that,
1: but no. But I, police reports and everything I've heard since then, I haven't heard anything uh, really mm-hmm. out of line. I know that the Beale Street uh, Blues Festival, Blues Tent, was on Beale Street yep. here. I had you. I haven't talked to anybody that was on Beale Street that could tell me how that went. This is the first year they've done that. Yeah,
2: I. You know, by the time we get up in the morning and and start working, we don't get out of there till midnight or yeah. so, and very rarely go anywhere. Uh, it's except to the house, and so we really don't know. I mean, it, we we hated losing the the concession yeah. uh, for those guys, but uh, I hope they had a great show. I didn't hear about anything happening on Beale Street, so. Was anybody drinking Bud Light that you saw down there? Uh, you know, they were giving it away is what I heard. <laughs> really? I, yeah, you could buy. They had all of the Anheuser-Busch products. You know, you could get all of the different Anheuser-Busch products, but apparently so they, they actually advertised, look, we'll give you Bud Light. You, you can buy any of this other stuff, but, <laughs> but we'll you, give you Bud Light. Well, I know that I
1: saw a piece uh, in Kabinsky Park in Boston, and it showed the Bud Light uh, concession stand in the ballpark. Not one person in front of it. And then right next to it, there were like 800 people waiting in line to get... Uh, Whatever the cooler, other beer yeah, was. Anything but Bud Light. <laughs>
2: I, and, I don't understand it. You know, I mean, it, 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 of course, I don't drink light beer. That's the first thing. <laughs> I, so I, I don't have a dog in this hunt at all. But well,
1: it's like somebody else said, it's not like Bud Light was the best beer in the world. Yeah. It's not like you're if you were going to quit drinking it. It's not like you have nothing left to do now. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of great beer out there. so. If you want to make a point, I guess they're making their point. But uh, uh, we're talking with Randy Ride with the Dive Shop. We're going to take a break then when we come back. And uh, I was over in Heber last weekend and we saw some of their people uh, getting their open water certification. We'll talk about that when we come back. Take
0: Sweet. Us. Sounds good.
1: And coming to you from high above the Peabody Hotel in the Rainbow Room. <laughs> Which used to be all the hotels downtown had uh, live orchestras on weekends and and they broadcast them on CBS, NBC. Uh, those were the two big radio networks in those days. There really wasn't anybody else.
2: Oh, yeah, and you got live music on the radio all the
1: time. And people all across America were sitting in their living rooms after dinner listening to uh, to that music.
2: Well, all day on, well, driving back and forth and all that kind of stuff, I have the WWOZ app on my telephone, and they broadcast live from the Jazz Festival oh, wow. the entire time. Was
1: that done for Music Fest this year?
2: Uh, it's always the same. The, the second weekend of Jazz Fest is always the same weekend as Memphis and uh-huh. May. So you got the, the weekend before that is the first weekend of Jazz Fest, and then the the Memphis and May weekend is the second weekend of Jazz Fest. That's why a lot of the artists do both shows. Yeah. Because they, they can do a Friday and a Saturday or a Saturday and, and a Sunday. And, a day
1: drive between. Absolutely. We were talking with Randy Wright with the dive shop. He has a uh, cooking uh Franchise that uh, they cook and had been cooking at Memphis and May for 26 years, so they were down there this year and um, and he was very impressed with the park,
2: uh, with the layout. It said the artist liked it. Um, yeah, I think everybody really liked it. I mean, production, yeah, it's a change. There's a lot of details that have to change. Movement was a little tougher. Uh, things were tight backstage, but uh, we. Uh, Everybody adjusts. I mean, these guys are in different places every night, so they're used to dealing with change. And and things change every time. No matter if it is the same venue, uh,
1: it does change. Uh, the reaction from people you said you said some developers came by and, and stopped and commented on it said they thought they did a good job. But they didn't see the amount of money that's been poured into. It. Maybe they haven't finished yet. Maybe they just well, it's it. not
2: finished. I mean, yeah. that's that's the thing. We're we're not going to see the final product until September. So you know who knows what else is planned for in there. At least we got to see what open space is mm-hmm. still are, there. Are there. Can and, you? And can it see? is manageable. Can
1: you, know? you see the river from Riverside Drive? Because the last time I drove down there, there's only one little gap right in the middle that you can just see through. And that's
2: going to be covered with trees before long. Yeah, I couldn't really tell because there is a Trailer. trail link fence all the way down that side of the park that's got black masking yeah, all over so it. You so you definitely can't see that. Yeah, you definitely can't see them now. <laughs> uh, and a row of trailers for all the production on the on the west side of, of the street there. I mean, so there was only half of the road available. Uh, Well, in in your other part of your life, you're at the dive shop, and uh,
1: this past weekend, I was at Heber Springs. I looked out, and I saw uh, about a dozen uh, heads with uh, wetsuits and uh, snorkels sticking up out of the water. I said, I know who that is.
2: Yeah, that's our Little Rock store. They were up there. They're up there almost every weekend. It's gotten just warm enough that we can put people in it. Um, so yeah, they're going all the time. Well, and the, everything's really high.
1: They've had so much rain up there, uh, which the river's high, the Little Red, and, and but so is uh, Beaver Springs and and the lake. But um,
2: the the water's
1: normally very very clear there, which is why you guys go.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, as far as anything else around in this area, we've got those lakes in Arkansas, really really nice for diving, and then the, there's uh, numerous quarries around the interstate system. We were down at Pelham, Alabama with a group out of Memphis, uh, which is just below Birmingham, and uh, got uh, eight or ten people certified this weekend. We've got another trip going back this coming weekend, back to Pelham, and then we'll move up to, um, to Mermet Springs, which is just north of Paducah, Kentucky, and it's a beautiful quarry. It's got a 747 in it. Oh, that Along you can, with yep. whole, two or three other airplanes and all kinds of rock moving equipment and that kind of yeah, stuff, and the seven twenty seven was
1: made famous in uh, the film with Tommy Lee Jones and yeah, uh, the U.S. Marshal. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, it's the plane from the movie.
1: Yeah, so you get down there and 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 dive through it and find out what it's like to do a rescue. Yeah, there <laughs> what, you go. Without having any pressure on you. Yeah. Uh the right now I just heard a report today though that, that said that. Uh, Air travel. Um, uh, Bud Judge, who's Secretary of, um, of Transportation, said he's going to start making the airlines pay for you a room if they delay if your flight's delayed, um, you know, over a certain amount of time. But that's only going to add to the fares that already exist because the airlines not going
2: to eat that. Well, it's there's a whole lot of stuff going on in the travel world right now from the shortage of air traffic controllers and, and uh, weather pilots. issues. Yeah, I mean everybody is is struggling, and prices are high as a result. Um, so, yeah, I mean, anything that you kind of say you're going to have to do this. But, you know, if most people are not very educated about what the airlines are supposed to do. Uh, and so it's a really good thing if you're traveling with a professional who knows what the airline is required to provide in the way of service. That and gives it, you an edge up because, you know, we can stand there and say, well, look, that's not good enough. Well, and you know what they've done in the past.
1: Sure. Which always is uh, your ace in the hole. Uh, Which You guys are always on every trip you go. You have your own people there that go along with the the people who
2: come from all over the country. Right. And so they don't know each other. The one thing they know is they're with the dive shop. That's right. You're with somebody that's a true travel professional, and we are there to serve you on that trip. We're a part of the service team on the trip, not on vacation with you. Yeah, we are working in a really nice place, but we're still
1: working. And, and you're getting to have fun, too, but the, also you're the one who fixes the problems, which usually when you're on vacation, you go anywhere, you're on your own. And uh, there's sure. nothing more helpless than they sit there and go, Sorry, sir, we can't help you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know? Well,
2: we, we, we have, you know, when you've got 25, 30 people on a trip— you know, you look at that in terms of room nights for a week. That's pretty valuable to the hotel. And, yeah, they're going to respond a little bit more to... Yeah, some leverage. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can pop up and say, hey, look, wait a minute. This is a pretty serious revenue endeavor here, and I need this done. And generally, they would do it anyway, but you may, as a private traveler, may not know who or how to ask. I mean, the idea of going to the desk and making a scene is not going to get anything done, particularly on an island. Uh, you know, you're on an island and you're leaving Friday. Yeah. So I don't care what you say to me. <laughs> I, <you> know, <laughs> I'm not leaving. I live here. I'm yeah. not going to do. So, you know, there's it's who to talk to and what to say and to make sure that, that you're not, being absurd and get them to do what you need. How can they get in touch with you to find out about trips coming up? Call us at 901-763-DIVE or visit us on the web at DiveShop1.com Randy Wright with the Dive
1: Shop. Thank you, sir. Thank you. We'll be right back. Stay with us. And welcome back. With me in the studio right now is Randy Hutchison. This is a Randy kind of day we had. Randy Wright, now, Randy Hutchison, oh, and the guy uh,
3: you always confuse
1: me. Yeah, I both said I call him Randy Hutchison like half he does, the time. He does so a great it, disservice it, it, to service
0: him.
1: <laughs> no. Fortunately, both guys are really good guys, so nobody's getting slighted in that. Uh, but we're talking about health apps today. Uh, those help apps that helps you count calories, how many steps do you take, what's your blood pressure, what's your heart rate a lot of different things, but I guess there's always the concern is uh, do the apps really do the work that they're supposed to?
3: The concern isn't as much that as it is uh, they collect pretty sensitive information. I mean, obviously, they, they may go beyond uh, just your social security number and your bank account number. They know all about your health. Uh, and the concern is uh, do they use it for reasons that they don't disclose to you, and if they did disclose to you, you might not approve of, or in the case we're going to talk about, and there's been some other cases where they tell you specifically, we're not going to share it with anybody else. We're not going to be doing and they go ahead and do that, okay? So uh, first of all, the, the, these health apps for the, uh, I'm sure just like any product, there's some that are good, some that are bad, but I'm not here to indict health apps. They help a lot of people lead healthier lives, uh, depending on the function but we'll we'll talk about the the uh, the advice, the warnings. Um, but the, the main concern is consumers may not know how their information is being used. Unlike doctors, the app companies may not be subject to health privacy laws like HIPAA. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, I thought everybody was. Subject no, to HIPAA. again, I'm I'm not the expert here, but this is what the FTC sure. said in a uh, uh, in a case that we'll talk about. Um, But in July, the FTC issued a statement reaffirming its commitment to fully enforce, setting aside where the HIPAA applies, there are other laws against the illegal use and sharing of highly sensitive data. It says that personal health data, as well as information on places users have visited health clinics, other sorts of clinics, uh, may end up in the hands of data aggregators and brokers that collect the data from multiple sources and use it to build profiles and draw inferences about consumers. Uh, here's an example. It reached a settlement with a company that markets, uh, called Flow Health, that this a couple of years ago, that markets an ovulation and fertility tracking app used by more than a hundred million women. Wow! They had no indication that the app didn't do what it was supposed to do, <clears throat> but where its privacy policy said we do not share information, in fact, they conveyed pregnancy-related information to third-party marketing companies. Uh, the FTC, again, says that companies that collect that kind of data need to understand there are laws of governance use that is not going to tolerate companies that over-collect, that collect data they don't need, that indefinitely retain it, perhaps even past when the the user is is a user, uh, or that misuse the data. And it also warned, you know, a lot of these uh, outfits will say, or maybe will say on their website, you know, we may use the data in our research. We may share it with research companies. We may share it with other companies, but we won't give them your name. It's anonymized. Well, the FTC says, no, no, no. In today's world, there are data brokers and data aggregators that can get a little bit of information from here and a little bit of information from there and maybe your name from somewhere else and put it all together yeah. and figure out that's you and therefore no. Uh, in this case, uh, the sorts of health issues uh, that you might have. So it, it says, it just warns about these, what it calls, uh, false promises that data c- cannot be identified to, to an individual. Uh, so here's the advice. If you're going to use one, and again, we're not recommending that you not use one, but if you're going to use one, look for a privacy notice that explains in simple terms what information they collect, how it's used, if they share it with third parties, and how the third parties use it. Now, maybe if the third parties use it for some sort of research uh, that will uh, improve the general uh, whatever health condition is, that's one thing. But if they're going to use it to then start targeting you with ads for products uh, associated with the health condition you have, you may want that. You just want it to be an informed decision. you know, privacy policies, I think all of us know we, we generally don't read them. A lot of times they're full of legalese. We get notices every year from our banks and other companies, and we tend not to read them, and so be it. I don't read them, but, you know, sometimes in some applications you probably might want to pay a little bit more attention than in others. Important one, see what control the app's settings give you over the collection and use of your data. A lot of times the default setting is, it's, I'm okay uh, with you sharing my data. Yeah. Uh, so unless you uncheck the box,
1: <laughs> they're going to give it out. They,
3: they've got permission to share it. Keep the app and your phone's operating system up to date to include any fixes uh, for privacy or security glitches. Uh, if you've got an app on there that again contains uh, sensitive information, and recognize that sharing sensitive information always carries some risks, either, either intentional or unintentional, if a database is breached. Um, so just be sure that uh, the whatever the benefit of the app is, is worth whatever the risk may be if somehow the information uh, gets disclosed to uh, somebody that uh, you really don't want disclosed to.
1: You know, when you go pick up an app, though, and whenever I download apps to my phone, <coughs> there's all these uh, licensing agreements and all uh, that. That's where, you, that's where you really need to pay attention is when you're going through that right at the beginning when you're downloading it.
3: And, and the truth is, most people don't. Um, and that's, a, that's, that's again, the, the risk you need to, to make, that I, I really don't want to read all this stuff. I really don't want to. If it's hard to find, by the way, and you've got to click through to another page, that then you've got to click to a link, and it's got all kinds of legalese, ah, you might be a little bit more careful there. Um, again, most of the apps are going to be legitimate, although I, I remember the FTC also landed on another outfit uh, that maybe we'll talk about in, in the future that w- was sharing uh, a lot of information with Facebook and Instagram and, and others. They, they were sharing information about the customer that I'm not sure they shared the name, but it was another case where through their own uh, uh, databases, these outfits could figure out. Well, that's Earl. <laughs> yeah. Let's start marketing some sort of. <laughs> well, a, wait a minute, that's uh, Earl. <laughs> that's Earl. Recognize so, that. Uh, so this is not the only case, and and obviously these sorts of apps, on the one hand, are becoming uh, so numerous and so worthwhile in many cases, uh, but there's a commensurate risk with them, and, and like uh, any product we use, <clears> any <throat> app we use, uh, you, you just need to make an informed decision as best you can uh, about the risk reward trade off
1: uh also uh, the uh i got a thing today i was looking at something and also this google thing says congratulations you've won the thousand dollar gift card no. from google and the problem is getting out of that because i know it's a rip-off it's it's not google giving you a samsung camera and a thousand bucks but how do you i mean you have to almost get out of your entire app a
3: lot of those uh, it's it's a reward for doing a survey or it's a reward for something yeah. else, and yeah, uh, and, and it's just tough, you know, clearly the FTC, the FCC, uh, and other agencies are doing their best to, uh, uh, to, to, you know, crack down on these abusive phone calls, abusive text messages, abusive emails, but, yeah, um, uh, you, you know, I've, I've told the story before, before I joined the Better Business Bureau, I was in the banking credit card business for a long time, and, and Fraud was a big problem, and I never I never had any hopes of getting ahead of the crooks. I just wanted to stay no more than a step behind them. Just I figure if I can keep up with them that much, yeah. I'm going to do okay. <laughs> now, that's a randy uh, 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 kind of analogy, but I think yeah, when it comes to uh, some of these, uh, you, you, look, uh, I, I couldn't begin to talk about AI, but you taught, look at all the conversations going on now about artificial yeah. intelligence and the concern that it's allowed to get so far out in front of the regulators that, that there's just nothing anybody's going to be able to do.
1: They'll be and, telling um, the regulators, uh, yeah. stand down. And,
3: <laughs> and, you know, so some of the, the communications like you got, the FCC, the FTC, others are doing their best to crack down on those sorts of things that are, are not legitimate, but it's hard.
1: Uh, just be aware that you're not going to get any big prize from uh, anybody uh, when you're doing a Google search on something and all of a sudden this pops up. Just try to get out of it. You have to uh, dump out of the whole thing, uh, reboot your phone, and start over again. But do not click on uh, more information, and I agree. Those are the things you do not want to uh, do. And
3: again, any offer. Uh, the FTC is really uh, going to start cracking down more on these, what they call negative option marketing, that unless you tell us you don't want something, yeah. we're going to keep sending it to you. And also what they call... Uh, Dark patterns, which include something we talked about here, that that the default is I agree to take this, I agree to the ongoing shipments, I agree to have my information shared unless I uncheck Otherwise, the box. Yeah. And, and the FTC is increasingly saying no. And consumers need to give informed consent.
1: I recently had that happen uh, on uh, Xfinity, uh, or with my cable uh, yeah. thing. Uh, there was something I wanted to watch, and it said you could watch outdoor live. And it was about outdoor hunting and stuff, but you could do a free trial for 30 days. And so I said, well, I'll see what it looks like. I, I thought I was going to look at it and one time, then you had to sign up. But it was like what you talked yeah. about. I signed up for the free trial, and it automatically started charging me $9 a month. Yeah. Fortunately, I called I actually went by their office said, look, here's the deal. And they said, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get it. Well,
3: there's another case we're going to talk about at some point, but uh, a well-known telecommunications provider that the FTC landed on him and said, you make it very easy for people to sign up for your service, but, boy, they want to cancel. They (laughs) can't do it online. They can't find. They got a call. They're on hold forever. They're transferred from here to there. He says, no, the bottom line there with that company is they said, it needs to be as easy to cancel as it is to sign up.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's why we want the Better Business Bureau to be here every week, and they are. Thank you, Randy. Uh, if you got questions, give them a call. Anything, whether it's a company going to do business with, uh, somebody that's calling you up telling you they got an offer for you, don't hesitate to call. Don't just jump out and say, "Well, this sounds pretty good." Uh, yep. And uh, because that's where they're there for. Thank you, Randy. All right, thanks. We're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And welcome back on this lovely day. Uh, I just uh, heard a a, a little blurb about Mark Zuckerberg uh, today. That Supposedly for the last few years, he's been working out with the the Brazilian jujitsu form of um, uh, hand-to-hand combat. And supposedly, like, he's all uh, buffed out. And, uh, I mean, he looks kind of, he's a Harvard dropout. And, you know, he's got that weird haircut. And. And you may think he's a brain. He's worked a bazillions of dollars. Um, uh, all right. But you never really think of it if Somebody could kick your butt. <laughs> uh, but I think now uh, uh, he is there. Uh, here's Facebook founder. Mark Zuckerberg wins medals in jujitsu de- uh, debut. And so it says the uh, tech billionaire Who's uh, 38 years old now? Surprised onlookers by winning gold and silver medal at a tournament in Redwood City, California. Mark Zuckerberg is adding one more title to his resume: a medal-winning martial artist. The Facebook and Meta founder won gold and silver medals at his very first Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournament, uh, to the shock of many <laughs> in the martial arts community and probably more widely. A 38 year old tech billionaire said he took up the interest in the sport early in the pandemic and has posted his win on Instagram saying, Competed in my first jiu jitsu tournament and won some medals for the gorilla jiu jitsu team. One of his coaches, Kai Yi, the Shadow Wu, you got to come up with a cool name if you're a jiu jitsu guy. I'd be like Earl the Ghost, because <laughs> he's not there. We can't find him congratulated his student yesterday getting to see Zuck compete was a pretty epic. No match was easy and everything was earned. And I will give them this. They don't, it matter who you are, if you don't know what you're doing, you, you will get, you will lose. It was not to be able to help coach and offer any advice. I could Zuckerberg received support for his new hobby from several high profile athletes at former UFC champion and student anger management, Connor McGregor commented on his post. You, are awesome, Mark. Brazilian Bernardo Ferra, a five time world jiu jitsu champion, said Zuckerberg's win, amazing. Half guard, arm bars, triangle, super cool. Those are all techniques and maneuvers in jiu jitsu that they're talking about the triangle, arms bare, full front, half guard. Other celebrities also congratulated the tech nerd turned athlete on his success. The U.S. TV host and former teen heartthrob Mario Lopez commented with three fire emojis. Other famous people have also taken up the sport. Actors Ashton Crutcher, who took up judo more than a decade ago, has a brown belt in the sport. Actors Jason Stratham and the comedian uh, Russell Brand also have purple belts. The Peaky Blinders and Venom star Tom Hardy also compete in the UK and has won uh, competitions um, uh, in the the sport. Uh, he's he's not a big guy at all. He's only five seven, weighs one hundred and fifty pounds. I'm just wondering, uh, Philip, you're in there. How tall are you? You about five ten? I'm like, yeah, five
2: ten. And
1: how no. much do you weigh? Uh like one forty something. So you weigh about the same thing. So even if you knew judo, and I was to put the full heavy Earl Rush on you. <laughs> if I were to land on you, that could be it for you, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I'm thinking. I mean, so that's why they fight within their own weight zone. And, uh, but I admire the guy. He, he's a billionaire. He can sit on his butt and play video games all day long. And he has got it there and said, I, you know, I'm going to try to be a better me. So that's a, there's a message in there for everybody. You can have everything and you can sit home and do isometrics just to keep your muscles in tone. But he's actually going out there I promise you you will get busted in the chops doing that and uh know my brother-in-law has his taekwondo in fact he took from kang ri who was elvis's uh taekwondo instructor i took one class i didn't even take the class i went there and and he said well just go to a class and see what it's like so i went this has probably been 20 years ago and so we get in there and we do the warm-up exercise we were stretching you know and kind of getting up and doing the bicycle up in the air loosen up your legs stretch out your hamstrings and so they got through that, and I went over and sat down, and it, they said, okay, now we start class. And I went, what do you mean? I thought that was it. He goes, no, that's just the war. <laughs> I never did uh, compete in that. You know, I probably would do it a lot better now just because I would take it more serious. But uh, anything you can do to keep yourself in shape, do it. I know Randy Hutchison, who was just here, had that back uh, golf cart accident where he broke his foot and his hand and is uh, still recovering from that. Um, you have to work very hard just to get back to where you are so if you're not broken if you're, everything works on you right now take advantage of that we're in the springtime uh you know get out and, and start doing pickleball is a great thing because you're not really getting too uh crazy out there playing tennis and get tennis elbow and while bike riding is great exercise uh as you start to get older falling off a bike can be extremely dangerous so I warn, especially older folks, I mean, everybody says, you ought to ride your bike again. I know Joe Burt is one of them, and um, Amy Sparopoulos is another. She got hit head-on by a car on her bicycle and was laid up in the hospital. We were really worried about her. Joe Burt broke his collarbone um, wrecking his bike. So whatever you do, be careful out there, but try to do something. We can all get to be a little bit better than we are. We'll take a quick break, and then we're checking in with T.J. Cates on his new movies. Stay with us. And thank you very much. Welcome back. Uh, joining me on the phone right now is my good friend TJ Cates down in uh, South Haven, uh, Mississippi. Good afternoon, TJ. Hey,
4: Earl. How's it going, man? Is great. Still hanging out.
1: Yeah. Well, and I always wonder uh, are you in Horn Lake, uh, South I'm in Haven, Fernando?
4: I, I cover the county, man. You do. Cover you're, you're,
1: you're everywhere.
4: Yeah, I'm not too clicky. Yeah. <laughs>
1: No, nothing can, can hem you in. You're going to be out there, and you're always doing something. I know that I was just talking to one of your protégés, uh, Vanessa Winter, who just won yeah. uh, Best uh, Female Performer at the recent 7th Annual Mississippi Music Awards that you helped put she on. She
4: did a great job, man.
1: We're going to try to have her on later in the week. Hey,
4: I, yeah, she works hard, super hard.
1: I had her on probably 10 years ago on my show, and she was <laughs> just starting wow. out. A young mom, four children, uh, and I said, listen, uh, you ain't got nothing. Or The coal miner's daughter doesn't have anything on you because her story is very similar. Uh, hardworking is. woman. She just recently, didn't you say she just recently graduated, got her degree?
4: Graduated college. Yeah? Did. That's I fantastic.
1: That so uh, so you just completed that, and we're going to have her back on later in the week. You were trying to get her on today, and she couldn't work out her schedule. So we'll have her on and try to have you on t- Two, just to just talk about the awards and okay. what, what it's like putting yeah. that on, we've got another one of your your developments. So while everybody else was hiding out during the pandemic, you were making a movie, which I thought was pretty cool.
4: <laughs> we did. We made a movie, and we've been waiting about a year and a half to get it out so people could. Hold on one second. Sure.
1: It was uh, in fact uh, Randy uh, Wright who was just here in the studio with uh, with a dive shop. He also does some acting, and he actually uh, appeared in the movie. And uh, borrowed some of my uh, square-toed I'm so boots. Sorry,
4: man. It's me. It's me. That was um, that was Hollywood calling.
1: Ah, you got to um, answer the Hollywood calls.
4: <laughs> AKA Jill.
1: Ah, um, she she out in Hollywood right now?
4: No, I just went and bought a new truck today, and she went to go get my tags for me, just oh, to take okay. the glamour off of it. Yeah, I, so we did. We talked about that today, but yeah, we did. We got our The Haunted Farmhouse, which is our, our feature film. Moreau road directed it, produced it, did a little starring in it. And uh, we finally got it out. It's been almost two years. It was such a learning curve because I didn't realize when you're making movies for YouTube and when you're making movies to be around the world, it's two different things. So we had to doing a lot of tweaks and a lot of changes, and we're out there now. You can actually buy the movie, and um, you can actually rent the movie. And we gave seven days to the traditional three days because I rent movies. And, and sometimes if you're not back there to finish it, you, know, you, can't, you know, can't watch it
1: you gotta, you gotta you gotta rent down. it again yeah
4: so they gave us that option i'm like great i'll give everybody a week to watch it and then we we made it under 10 bucks that's what it's about we're getting uh dvds pressed because we've got a lot of calls for dvds which i didn't know people still did yeah but uh we got our dvds they'll be here in the next couple of weeks and we'll be able to have those for sale for people so yeah. it's been fun man we we actually are in the works of haunted farmhouse too and um so we actually are going into a house built in 1842. It has graveyards in the front yard. It's in Hernando. It actually it was in the Civil War. It actually saw the war, and it's got the original period film, um, original period furniture and everything inside. So reenactors on it now. We're going to go in and start filming this summer.
1: There. I know uh, when you were uh, answering you, your call from Jill, I was telling that Randy Ride with the dive shop, who was in your movie, was just in. He did a great job, on the show for. Dude. And he borrowed some boots because he needed some uh, authentic-looking square-toed uh, cowboy boots, which he I have. He uh, He
4: got those from you.
1: Yeah. And he, he said they were a little large, but he said uh, they worked. So that was a good thing. Uh, because he, uh, had, he was
4: just bragging about it all day long. Okay, they were yours. Okay. Yeah. The, so, uh, yeah. He, he had to play 1855, I think was the era that he played in. And um, he was a trader. and he went down, and, and he takes out my great-great-grandfather, and he kills him. on the Against the tree, and that kind of started a lot of trouble on the on the plantation. And then he took over, and then somebody took it over from him, and it changed hands so many times before Jill and I moved in, like 200 years later, 180 years later. So there's been a lot of a lot of issues at the land, and we talk about you know it's 500 acres. So we talk about when you go look at a pretty field and trees. I mean, a lot of lives have lived out there, yeah. war, and cowboys, as you know, and there's a lot of things that happen out there in the field. Which, so that, uh, that's kind of what we covered was the history of the land, not the history of the house.
1: What's really interesting is um, that uh, the what uh, oh, she was married to Johnny Cash, June Carter Cash. Uh, yeah. Didn't she have a, a farm that's right there on the Tennessee River? Uh, was that did. L- 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 That's who it was, Loretta Lynn. Because I went there once, and that house is supposedly haunted. That was used.
4: Oh, she said that, and now she passed. Yeah, last year early yeah. uh, in the year, so she's there now, her and um do is that his name? Dew, yeah. Yeah. That was XL one forty three What a cool ranch, Lorella's ranch, Never they have a music yeah. area out there at Campground and the, yeah. uh, Amphitheater and you can rent horses or bring your horses and it's cool. It's really cool. We jumped off the interstate there a couple times just to go get off and, and it's really neat how she did she did she, did, she didn't go to Dollywood with it. She, no, did she didn't. It a really cool place. That she enjoyed to live at, so, yeah.
1: But the supposed story was that the house that was there was actually used as a battlefield hospital for um, really? soldiers during, during the Civil War, and that they have uh, they occasionally present themselves to uh, to people. When you were <laughs> when you were making this, did you ever have any uh, weird sightings? We
4: or? did. We had some weirdness. We left it in there too, man. Mostly it was outside on the grounds that we filmed at, and then there was an old cabin from the 1800s that was moved to Hernando and as part of the museum we had some some things happen there that were strange you know and I I don't know I mean you just some of the one of the places we found that wasn't that old but there was another one with an old barn that had just kind of collapsed in the house so yeah you're out there and you're kind of looking for stuff anyway you kind of get the feel because everybody's in wardrobe and everybody's walking across fields and stuff and we had horses and Randy got to ride a horse that day
1: yeah, you told me. In fact, that was one reason he had to have the authentic boots because his feet were going to show. And you uh, came <laughs> yeah. come riding up in house slippers, which you supposedly be a character in the 1850s. Yeah. Uh, the, the interesting thing about ghosts and, and sightings and all that kind of stuff is, is that you sit there and say, now, do you believe it or not? And people say, well, I don't know if I believe it or not. But then I've seen the pictures of a ghost on the second floor of Ernestine and Hazel's downtown. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen that picture?
4: I filmed there. It's so funny you would bring that up. I filmed there one time for um a video, and we put it together, and what an incredible building. yeah, they said I haven't I didn't experience anything there, but you could look around and whole rooms and stuff. and they said it used to be a brothel. I it guess, was second floor. The they had every
1: room had a number above the door, and it was a brothel on the second building. floor. and And the picture that I've seen, it's just obviously a woman, and it's she, she's like Never seen got, it. got the door partially opened, and she's looking out the door down the hall at you.
4: Oh crap! And
1: I, and I saw that. I went. It's not one of those deals where you got to really squint. Remember when the, your mother told yeah. you that there was a man in the moon, and you're trying to see his yeah. face, and you're squinting, yeah. and you're opening your eyes, and you still then you go, oh wait, I see it. With this, there was no squinting. You just looked there. And said, "That's a woman peeking out the door." And, we uh,
4: had our house in Nashville, and and um, it was every house on the block because those houses were built late 1800s, early 1900s, and every single house had a ghost story. We had we had plenty of them, and one of them, yeah, we, we had so many stories that so we we reenacted and did a ghost story up there. Well, we are in national. we did a couple of them about the houses and stuff. It's, it's really cool, man, the stories. Those are the kind of stories. Are, I know everybody likes their sci-fi and their Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica and Spider-Man and Marvel. I just don't. I kind of like movies that got some characters and you, you're getting somebody you can relate to. And then they're actually telling a little story. And it's like, well, this kind of happened. So that's kind of what we did with the Home Farmhouse. It's just kind of that eerie feeling. But we showed people why they're having an the eerie feeling because we had characters that we were actually showing. We weren't trying to hide them or make them a little mist or anything. We actually showed people without a lot of makeup. You know, they were just past, and they were living there, and we explained, and that's what we hope to do. What we're doing now is we're going to carry it into a TV series, 22 and a half minutes, and we're going to go in and shoot eight episodes as a series, and we're going to put it out there on the streaming platforms, too, and it's going to really base, you know, a lot of characters on the show a lot of characters in the movie and kind of give their backstories a little bit.
1: I don't think people fully so from
4: their version. Usually, you see a ghost story, and it's usually from the person that's got the haunting going on, and yeah. the person that sees something. We're going to kind of take it backwards, and we're going to show it a little bit more from the point of view from the ghost. Well, in that, and that, the, and that the kind of
1: the Beetlejuice uh, approach.
4: Maybe, yeah. Because that that <laughs> well, we was get that, Michael Keaton. That'd be awesome. But <laughs> yeah, we're just going to kind of show with their backstory and you know their feelings and. They don't, there's a movie with Nicole Kidman that I think be one of the best movies ever been made and it's called The Others and they filmed it at an old castle somewhere, I guess over in England or something and it was about her and she didn't know that she had passed and her kids and, and she thought she was in charge of this whole thing what a great movie man So I like that, it doesn't need to be a lot of special effects or anybody running or jumping at you and, and uh, I don't know that's just me personally, I was raised on that you know in the 70s and 80s, they had a lot of classic movies so we shot this one to kind of look like a 90s drive-in movie
1: which you know the thing like, is they used to call those b movies because they weren't top studio high budget uh, things. yeah yeah and uh, so uh we're talking with tj Case about his new movie the haunted farmhouse so we're gonna take a quick break come back uh, by the way, I did look up the, uh, Ernestine Hazel's uh, ghost. It says, yeah. uh, the popular bar in South Maine in downtown Memphis was named the fourth most haunted spot in America by, uh, this review site. So, Hey, Ooh. Really? we'll talk about,
4: did, man. We, we shot a video there and I had all these, it was, it as a, a clothier and a hairdresser that hired me to shoot for them. And we got permission to shoot there. It's a really cool video and i was shooting out of that top room i was the only one up in that upstairs that day and i was shooting out of that top front room that faces main street and i had all the models i was yelling out the window giving everybody direction. they're walking across the street and as soon as they walked around the street another uh, somebody comes up from the river and takes a left in a red ferrari man just clockwork all these beautiful people dressed perfectly. And, and a ferrari <laughs> and a red ferrari goes and takes a left and i said people are like Hey, where'd you rent a red Ferrari? Do you have a red Ferrari? I'm like, that just happened, man.
1: Timing, man. It just Timing. happened.
4: Just a red Ferrari. So it's, it's funny. I always keep, that's what I learned at TMZ, man. Always be filming, dude. All, Never Your stopped. best content. Yeah, and yeah. when somebody does a take on a movie, film their first take, because sometimes it's the most natural. Oh, I think so. Or the most nervous.
1: We're talking with TJ Cates. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back to talk more ghosts, more the haunted farmhouse, and uh, about uh, the other stuff he's working on right now. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. On the phone with me is TJ Cates. He's down in uh, Hernando today and uh, just bought a truck. Congratulations.
4: (laughs) Thanks, man. I needed full drive. You know, I bought my truck when I was in Nashville. And there's no parking places, and if there is one, they're about as big as a Prius. So I got a I got an F-150 in you know, a little extended cab, and then I got down here, and one of the guys in the parking lot had lunch with him. and he's like, is that your truck? I'm like, yeah, it's cool. And I'd gotten a body lift on it and big tires, and he said, yeah, it's cute, man. So Huge. I kind of went big. <laughs> yeah, I went big. The trucks have gotten so expensive. Hey, um, I have a question, Then Kathy Thurman? Yes. She's so cool that I hear her... her, her um, her commercial on your radio, right? Yeah. She's one of your sponsors. Yeah. Yeah, I remember her from when I was growing up on WHBQ. Did y'all work together? Or, well, she was actually or on
1: uh, WMC, uh, oh, FM, WMC, FM 100, and she did some stuff on 79. Then I worked with her at Channel 3 as well. Yeah. and then she, I get
4: excited about old Memphis stuff, not that she's old. She's a young lady, but, but I, I got excited. I said, oh, I remember her when I was a kid.
1: Oh, listen, she was a great reporter, great radio person, and uh, but she got smart. She went into the insurance business made a fortune and uh, laughs all the way to the bank now.
4: <laughs> Good for her, man. Well, if you ever see a film well, it was back in the days when I used to physically turn the dial for the channel, so I didn't yes. know. I didn't get to keep up there. said, turn it to the right. Nope. <laughs> click it two more. Nope.
1: Well, our uh, uh, name—you could get your new truck insured by her, which is uh, everybody in broadcasting has their insurance with her because she, when she got into the business, she hit everyone. of was up and said, could you help me survive? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she takes great care of everybody, so check. Yeah, her out.
4: she's a wonderful lady. Now I like her. She is prettier than a lizard. I like her commercial, but it's so catchy. <laughs> You know, it's really smart. It really makes you remember and that she, yep. she, you can tell that she's smart. But anyway, I just thought and that she is that prettier
1: much, than a lizard, I will tell you that. She's
4: so much prettier than a lizard. Um, I talked to Valerie Calhoun yesterday just on text about their situation that they had the other day, and she was just thinking, you know, God, that they had that bulletproof glass on the front of it. And I tell her we did that years ago because they used to break in our South Memphis store. We finally, by the time we closed, we had all of our windows boarded up. So, well, you know they, the brush uh, out the glass and walk in through that
1: yeah. like uh, Years ago, uh, TJ's folks had the butcher shop there in South Haven, which is when I first met him. That's they had they used to go get meat there, and uh, in fact, his dad if they come down with a dry rub that uh, you just you know, that that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. Yeah, we'll try to get Kate's him kind of in, Kate,
4: Kate's It's
1: and it's a great uh, well everything you guys do, everything you touch turns into something. But I think that was my point, is that uh, a lot of people say, I'm going to write a book someday, a lot of people say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a movie, and then they don't ever do it. You say you're going to do something, and you didn't say you were going to go out and, uh, and raise $150 million. You say, I've got a great story idea, I'm going to make a movie, and, and you did. And now it's available online through YouTube, and what do you just go to YouTube and type well, it's in? The- on,
4: uh, it's on Vimeo, and it's going to be going over to the streaming services from there. We had to I wanted to pick something that we could control. We've had three different distributors, one in Hollywood, one in New York, and one in Canada. And I guess since we're not a huge big budget movie, they weren't talking to me like I was the smartest and I so, said, Look, I know we made this on the shoestring. I know that we you know, the the guy that played the thirty three gangster is the guy holding the boom mic the next scene. I know what we had to do to get them to tell the story. But I'm really proud of the story. I think the story's a lot of fun. So we decided uh, Vimeo which is something I've used for years as a professional site for filmmakers, and it's actually a really good app. And they just started something new, and then we researched it, and the new editor that I hired, and we got the um, situation up there, and we looked at. I'm like, I think that they'll let us start. Like, I believe in being like the originator. So now we're the originator of our own product. People can buy it and stream it and rent it. We had to put our PayPal account in there, and then from there, it's the Tubi TV and Freebie and all these. Streaming services will pick it up from there, but we actually were able to maintain 100 percent control, which so, is
1: which is huge because usually what happens is whether you write a book and they turn it into a screenplay, as soon as they buy the rights to it, they get all the rights. You got nothing,
4: and they control it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, also
4: the uh, the uh, co-star of the Haunted Farmhouse just walked in. Come in, say hi to Earl Jill. He's mm-hmm. on the radio.
1: Yeah. Your lovely wife Jill, and that was a hey,
0: Mister. How are you today? I'm, I'm
1: good, Jill. We're just talking about your new movie that's uh, now out, uh, The Haunted Farmhouse. Thank you so much. We're, we're so appreciative of you helping us promote everything. And, yeah. well, and you have such a great radio station. We appreciate it. Well, you all work very hard, and you do a lot. And so I always try to inspire other people. And we were just talking to TJ about a lot of people say they're going to do something, but he always follows through. And uh, I always
4: You know what up. we're doing now is we're doing a Kate Steak Night. We we worked out with the restaurant that's um, a really good sloppy Joe uh, soul food restaurant, which I personally love. I was raised on soul food, and um, he closes his doors at six o'clock because people don't eat soul food meat three after six. And I'm like, hold on a minute. So <laughs> what we're doing is we're going to rent his restaurant out and let him make the beverage money, beer and beer and drinks and stuff, and that's cool with him. And we're just going to have steaks and barbecue, man. We're going to play blues music, some Muddy Waters, and some B.B. King, and we're going to put up a microphone and a an amp and let singer-songwriters come in there and perform, and we're going to do it once a month or once a week. We're probably going to do it on Friday nights, so we're going to make it affordable like we used to do, you know, 20 bucks. Yeah. for a steak and a potato and a salad.
1: Well, They do it at well, uh, the Combo Steakhouse so. the
4: hey. Oh gosh, they make money down there.
1: Yeah, we got to go TJ Thank you and congratulations. Right, man, I- you I'll you be back to in touch. on the uh, on the award show so we'll take a quick break we'll be right back.
0: Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell.
1: Thank you very much, and welcome back. Uh, this chokehold death fallout thing, I don't know if you've been following that. Uh, um got a Michael Jackson uh, impersonator. And I love how the the media presents this. They show this guy doing his Michael Jackson impersonation on the subway. He's got the Michael Jackson uh, military-looking jacket on, and he's doing the moonwalk, and everybody's applauding. What they don't show is the 14 times he was arrested for doing other things, including four times where he punched people in the face. Twice happened on a subway. About the times that he was urinating on subway uh, uh, riders and – throwing trash at him and threatening them uh, to give him money or they would, he would do even worse things. Uh, and now that you've got people riding down on the subway saying that, uh, this Marine needs to be charged with murder. The Marine got him into a chokehold, wrapped his legs around him. Another guy's trying to hold his arms down and trying to tell him to relax until the police get there. But he, they were not going to let him hurt those other people on board. What has happened to our society? That we're going to let people now uh the, the bad guys are now the victims uh it, it's just absolutely beyond me and then you got all these people now they're they're riding down in the subways and the uh, women just showed her with blue hair and uh you getting up on the cop's face and yelling and screaming at him and trying to get them to attack them and it's just its just the most bizarre thing if you told me when i was 15 years old that a marine stopped somebody from uh harming other people on a subway and choking him and holding him into a chokehold to keep him from doing that, waiting for the police to get there. The guy keeps struggling, keeps struggling, and finally when they release him, he's out. The paramedics get there, the guy ends up dying. That They would then say that the Marine was the bad guy. It's <laughs> like you go, that would be like saying the Lone Ranger and going and killing the bad guys and Tonto or a couple of Desperados. Also, they were the good guys. No, but he's got a white hat on. The guys got the feather, Kimosabi. Uh, so they would be the bad guys. Um, Andy Griffith Show, Andy and Barney and Opie and Aunt B. They'd be the bad guys. They they're there incarcerating those poor people that are throwing rocks at people, <laughs> stealing cows, moonshining. It is the whole world is absolutely upside down and backwards. That the the government's telling us now that the border is closed. Anybody believe that? Is there anybody out there? Anybody believe that? Mallorca, is sit there I mean they sit there and look you they, in front of Congress they sit there testifying he goes, uh, sir is the border closed? Yes it is. We've told people repeatedly the border's closed. Why have you not b- continued building the fence? Uh, we we are, we have other strategy we have in place we've been working on for 2 years. What is that strategy? Uh, we're about to implement it. <laughs> we implement anything. They're sending 1,500 military, full-time military people there, not to help stop this huge influx of, 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 of immigrants into the country, we call the illegal aliens, what they are. And uh, they're sitting down there not to stop it, this, but to help uh, do paperwork to get them in the country even faster. And all of it's designed to take down the country. I guess Soros got to Biden at one point because they've got to all the other people in the country that are doing Name me one thing that Biden has done for this country that has made things better. One. I can't, I can't think of a thing. I mean, I can't think of a thing, not one single thing. In the meantime, he, he denies that his son's done anything wrong. Well, of course he's the big guy. So, uh, I mean, they literally have, uh, have, uh, got all this evidence that he said he's never spoke to his son they got pictures of him together with the, with all these people that uh, they've done deals with and, and they go so is uh is uh is, you don't think that's anything wrong with that Nah, my son didn't do anything wrong and uh in the meantime title Forty Two ends uh this week i think thursday and they say that it's gonna be a barn burner. That uh, in March, U.S. officials encountered more than 191,000 migrants at the border with Mexico. Administration officials have said they expect the number to go up significantly. But the end of the title 42 on Thursday. Uh, I remember growing up in Texas, we'd go to our Boy Scout camp was in the Davis Mountains, which is right down along the Mexican border. Really cool camp, and it was real rugged and mountain high desert. And uh, we would be out hiking, and we would see these small bands of um, Mexicans. uh, Well, they could have been from anywhere in Central America. But there would be eight, nine of them snaking their way through the the bottom of the valley. We could look down and see them. And we knew what they were. They were people coming in. Uh, But it had always gone on. They'd slip across the border, try to get in. They'd work for farmers and ranchers and going to work in restaurants and washing dishes and things. And... uh, the uh, even Memphis when I first got to Memphis nineteen seventy eight working at Channel Three, and uh, it was uh, I remember there was about eight or nine of these young men uh, outside the station over there right at the railroad uh, tracks and the uh, river, they just hopped off a freight and they were looking for water and there was there was a, a water faucet over there on the side of the building and they said it's okay we we'll get a drink ah ah sí, bueno hombre. So they went to getting water, and I said, "Where are you guys from?" They said, "We came from Mexico." And I said, "Where are you going?" It's just up north until we find work. And I said, "Well, good luck." But it was manageable. I mean, we're talking, you know, maybe three or four hundred uh, a month uh, that would cross the, the border. Everybody else had to do, obey the, the laws, but they it wasn't wholesale. Just crush the border and get in. That's a, they're looking at before this ends. There will be over ten million people says biden has come into office that will have crossed the border with the the suspension of rule 42 i mean where are you going to put them who's going to take care of them and they talk about well there are all these jobs out there yeah you, know, you got to be able to speak english and and write and count and do a lot of things with all these jobs they're not all uh, you know uh yard work and construction work All you got to show them one time and these people are very smart they figured out quick But we don't know how many of them are criminals. I mean, they're they're literally pouring across the border. And you have the Biden administration trying to tell us that they're working diligently to stop this. He stopped everything that that Trump had had begun with the wall, with holding them in Mexico until they could get cleared. And uh, it was working. In fact, it worked better than any immigration process we had had practically in the history of the country. To give you a good idea how strict it used to be, when, when I lived in Mexico, we were in Texas. My father was building a pipeline across Mexico for Pemex, which is the national oil company in Mexico. When I was five or six, my sister was six or seven. My little brother was about two. So we moved down to, um, to uh, Monterey, Mexico. And uh remember we went back to Texas uh, for something and get more stuff. And we were coming back across the border. My father was in the car ahead of us, and he drove on. We got up there, and the the uh, <laughs> the, the guy, the Mexican border uh, person said, are you all just visiting? And my sister goes, no, we live there. <laughs> and my mother's like, a, Ixnay, Ixnay. <laughs> he goes, oh, you live there. Where do you live? And she's speaking to him in Spanish. She's going, a Casa El Monterrey. And uh, he said, pull over here. We will talk some more. So my mother says, look, we're just down there. She thinks we're living there. We just went down there for a couple of weeks, visiting their father. He is working there. He has a visa. And we're just going back. Finally, my father just, uh, noticed they weren't behind him. Uh, we weren't behind him. So he said, comes back. And so uh, it turned out that he had to give the guy a case of Johnny Walker red scotch, and off we went. But that's the way it used to be. I mean, now I uh, was getting into Mexico, coming back out the United States. There was no bribing your way in. Uh, granted, this is back in the, the mid-50s, mid to late 50s, but uh, it has certainly changed since then. And I promise you, you can't get into any other countries in the world like they're coming into the United States right now, which is why they're coming from all over the world to get here. And if you got a better idea, I'd love to hear it because it's going to affect all of us, every single one of us. I mean, they're, they're in Texas towns, look at El Paso. My God, that town is just, it's overrun with people. Even, even New York, now the mayor of New York is trying to ship it to some little uh, town over in New Jersey and they said they're, they're getting the sheriff to stand at the county line and say, if any buses show up, do not let them in. So now what's happened is that all these people that Biden has let in the country, they can't find any place for them to go. They're like people without a country, and nobody wants them because they know what's coming. then you will have to take care of them, which will break that county, which is why I say everything the man has done has been detrimental to this country. And I stand by that. We're going to take a quick break, then we'll be back to wrap things up. Stay with us. <laughs> and welcome back lovely afternoon Uh, in fact we ended up in having a great weekend when they were forecasting rain throughout the weekend starting last friday Everybody was worried about the the music fest being rained out and i always have referred to it as the the mud fest as opposed to the music fest and i don't think they had a drop down there so the weather couldn't have been bad and um and it, it turned out good i think we'll End up hearing more about it as the week moves on about people's reaction to it. We had uh, Randy Wright with the dive shop. who was down there all weekend cooking for all the acts that were down there. Uh, and he said that it uh, went off without a hitch, that people seem to have a good time. And the park looks great. It doesn't. It's not like it was before. It was just wide open. You could move around it. Now you've got to follow the paths because – they have built moguls uh, uh, mounds of dirt with trees planted on it, so they bore us force you to go to certain areas. Had other areas roped off, and so uh, it's not as open as it was. Uh, but that's uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Just we'll just have to see uh, uh, what comes from it. Uh, in the meantime, uh, there were a lot of uh, a lot of. Folks that didn't go that I talked to said the reason they didn't go is because they didn't want their car broken into because you could park somewhere downtown and they didn't want to get their car broken into, have their car stolen, or uh, end up being uh, robbed or otherwise maligned uh, going downtown. Or then the midtown's also suffering. I and mean, People are saying, "Yeah, I'm, why would I go out? I mean, if I stay home." I uh, go to the grocery store, get something, bring it home and cook it. Uh, guess what's not going to happen? I'm not going to get my car window broken. I'm not going to get my car stolen. I'm not going to get robbed. And so until they start turning this around, I think that is going to continue. Uh, in the meantime, uh, um, there's a teen back in jail after stealing a car just months after leaving 201 Poplar. It said uh, they cut him again after a short foot chase. When officers looked up his name, 13 active warrants popped up. <laughs> this kid's 19 years old. And that's what we're seeing over and over and over. We used to call them frequent flyers when I was with the sheriff's office. You had all these people that when they arrest them, and a lot of times the, the, the sheriff's deputies or the police, uh, whoever, they said, oh, yeah, man, here he is again. You take him in. They know the routine. They just put their hands behind their back. You talk him up. You take him down. They go through the induction process they going into the jail. Uh, the next morning they get bond set, and then if they're under 21 Mostly, they just cut them loose. No bond, no nothing. But this says, The streets are raising our children, said Jimmy Chambers, who runs Champ Chambers, a nonprofit in Memphis that helps boys between the ages of 6 to 18 turn their lives around before it's too late. A sworn affidavit shows this isn't the first time that this uh, 19-year-old has been in trouble with the law this year. Back in February, he was accused of breaking into eight vehicles, stealing everything from guns, cameras, passports, and cash. But police said he also stole an infinity. He was released on bond. <laughs> now back in Morris record show he was accused of shooting a man in the leg. Car was released on twenty five thousand dollar bond, which has cost you twenty five hundred bucks to get out on. The training you should have gotten you didn't get out home. That's where your first teacher that was your that's where you get your first teacher, uh, this guy says he's calling for parents to be present before it's too late. Now you want someone else to take care of your problem. When you should have taken care of your problem when it was a child the child was young, and now the city is to take care of your problems, said Chambers. This is this new juvenile. Uh, uh, actually, they're just going to be enforcing the juvenile laws that are on the books. Uh, the, uh, and uh, they uh, says that uh, it's called the Juvenile Abatement Plan. And Strickland says downtown Memphis uh, is going to start it uh, on a pilot basis. It had been asked by the downtown development office, uh, head of that, uh, to, as he said, we want to talk to our other stakeholders. Well, we're the stakeholders. We're the citizens. We're the ones who pay taxes. We're the ones getting robbed, having our cars stolen, beaten and murdered. In fact, there was a, uh, very nice man that was murdered Saturday. He didn't die until today. Um, he was the, the kind of operations manager, uh, over all the systems at Christ Methodist church in day school. And I'd been there some 20-something years, lived over by Audubon Park, uh, over on the same side of the street as uh, Dixon Gallery Gardens. He was out Saturday morning putting some tools in his truck to go to work at Christ Methodist, and two young uh, people in all black uh, pulled up to his house, got out, and beat him to death. Beat him to death. And I guarantee you, it ain't their first rodeo. And uh, he he passed away this morning. He's... He's in heaven now. He's no longer dealing with this mess, but we are. And uh, Strickland says they're going to start enforcing this. uh, Said uh, downtown Memphis is about one month out from the Memphis Police Department's uh, controversial plan to enforce late-night curfew for juveniles. The department says June is more realist time to begin the plan. Memphis Mayor Jim Strickland said the exact details of the plan are set in stone. Uh, what is known as the children under 18 could end up in the Green Law Community Center if they're out late. Nothing good happens after midnight. My dad told me that 50 years ago, and it's still true. And a 15-year-old out after midnight is not safe for the 15-year-old, said Strickland. Most of the public wants us to enforce the curfew, and it's a better for the young people to do it. Still, those like community organizer Gilbert Carter says the abatement plan raises concerns. He said the entire plan lacks community input. What? Well, you got my input you got everybody else out there that's uh, listening to me right now saying, you got to stop this or we're leaving. I saw saw a message on neighbors this weekend. A young couple moved here three months ago. They had their car stolen. Before that, they had it broken into. Then they had it stolen. They hear gunshots every night in the neighborhood, and they said, you know what? I don't know what we were thinking when we moved to Memphis, but we're getting out. And that's going to continue to happen. It's been happening for years, but now it's at an accelerated rate, and it's also spilling over into South Haven. Tipton County, Fayette County, uh, Bartlett, Germantown, Carville, Millington. You got to stop it. The only way you stop it is to start arresting these people. And if that doesn't stop them, you arrest their parents. Until they're 18, you, they are the responsibility of their parents or their legal garden, guardian. Go get them. Go get them and put them in jail. Because then they'll make sure they're at home at night. And uh, But you got to put the juveniles in jail too. And if we have to big, build bigger facilities, we build bigger facilities. But letting letting them out with no penalty is just like saying, well, it's nothing. It is nothing. It's just a big gang. That's where the whole pants hanging off their butt came from is that it became a status symbol to have been in jail, gotten out, because they took your belt off your pants. Don't have a belt in jail. So when you leave jail, your pants are falling down. So that became a, a, a style. That's how bad it is when something that despicable becomes part of the culture. It is part of the culture. So. What we got to do is start cracking down on this. We got to stop it. And we're the only ones that can make it happen because everybody else is just sitting around going, And we got to talk to some more people. No, we don't. We don't need to talk to anybody else. Get a hold of City Hall. Call Strickland's office. Tell him to enforce it. Enforce it now and enforce it to the, every, the nth degree of the law. And start getting tougher on these people because otherwise, what's the point in staying here? Uh, that's our show for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Be safe out there, but also be alert and. Take care of your families, what I'm doing.